So good evening, everyone. Uh, happy New Year. Uh, good to, to see you all again in 2022. Um, so my name is Shuzo Bed. I am one of the priests with the Dragonfly Song. Uh, and I wanted to kick off a, a new series that Mike and I will be sharing with you over the next few weeks on the worldly winds or the eight worldly concerns. <clears throat> Pardon me. Um, so what are the, the eight worldly winds? I know for me, the I did not encounter these uh, early on in my my Buddhist practice uh, and in my, my study. Um, but the, the eight worldly winds or the eight worldly concerns or the eight worldly dharmas as they're sometimes called um, were, were shared with us in the Lokavapati Sutra, or the Worldly Concern Sutra. Um, and essentially, these are four pairs of things that can trip us up um, in, our, in our lives. Uh, four pairs of things that are, are typically, um, you know, conventionally seen as good and bad. So there's eight uh, overall, and they're paired up in, into four groups. So the four pairs are gain and loss, status and disgrace, praise and blame, and pleasure and pain. And like I said, the Buddha called out that, you know, for, for most of us, for the average person, uh, for the person who is not practicing, and even for those who are practicing, these can be really tricky. Uh, and I'm going to talk a bit about gain and loss in this evening's talk, but I wanted to talk about the winds, the worldly winds, kind of at a, at a high level first. Um, so like I said, the, the, the Buddha said that these can be kind of a tough thing uh, because, you know, as I, as I read that list, you probably, um, you know, realize, well, before those things aren't bad, you know, gain, status, praise, pleasure, those are all good words. Why wouldn't I want those things? Uh, and of course, the, the bad ones, loss, disgrace, blame, and pain, I can see why I would want to avoid those things because um, there's a lot of social conditioning that we have around those words so that I didn't need to tell you which ones were good and bad. You could know just from hearing them. Um, and it's easy for us to want to chase after the four good ones and avoid the four bad ones. But the point with this sutra um, is that all of them can throw, throw us off. All of them can cause suffering. Uh, and the problem arises when we start to build our lives around these eight winds. And we're always trying to go after the good stuff. And we're always trying to get rid of the bad stuff. Because um, here's the thing, you know, most of us, it's it's not weird to, to try to, you know, welcome in good things to your life and keep out the bad things, right? Um, on a daily basis, a lot of us try to do that. Uh, but it, it can get a little intense when you try to do it a bit too much to kind of play that out. So if I say to you, well, I'm going to protect myself from all negativity whatsoever. So I'm going to, you know, wear a helmet and, and pads all over my body so I never get hurt. I'm never going to go anywhere so I don't get lost or, or get into an accident or anything like that. I'm never going to leave my room. I only eat cold food, you know, plain food so I never get sick or anything like that. I'm not going to have any friends. Uh, so, you know, my heart's never broken. I never have any relationships end or anything like that. And, and obviously that's absurd. 
right? It's it's we can't protect ourselves uh, from all negativity without going to extremes. Um, and even if we would manage to do the things that I said and protect ourselves from a lot of, you know, the the vicissitudes of life, um, that can be staved off by, you know, staying inside and wearing pads all day. Uh, chances are we're not going to be very happy. Um, we're we're going to we're not going to experience a lot of depth in our life, and quite frankly, a lot of growth comes from um, when we go through difficulties and when we struggle. And on the other side of things, if I would say, well, you know what, I'm resolved to only accept the positive things in life. Um, I'm going to insist on being entertained every moment of every day. I want my team to win every game, and if I ever play a board game with friends, I need to win all of those too. And every day I need something exciting. Um, it's exhausting, <laughs> and it's not realistic. Um, and again, it, it doesn't allow us to grow through those experiences of, well, you know what, we didn't win today. Um, so what can we do differently? Or, or, you know, maybe it's okay to not win all the time. Things like that. And here's the thing. This actually ties in with the Buddha's story. This notion of all good and no bad. Um, because in, in the story that we have about the Buddha, um, the, the legend of his childhood, you know, his father wanted him to be this great ruler and he wanted him to always be happy. Um, and so he kept him in the palace, locked up with games and, and all manner of pleasures. Um, <coughs> pardon me all day long and for many years the Buddha was like hey this is great you know life is wonderful all this good stuff probably didn't have a lot of words to describe bad things in life but then of course we we know the story where he goes out and he takes a few trips outside of the castle and then he sees you know old age he sees sickness he sees death um, and then he sees a, a, a an, aesthetic, an aesthetic and he's like huh well, goodness, you know, these, these bad things that I saw, could that happen to me? Um, and then suddenly in comes this sense of, of worry and fear and suffering, right? And, and when the, you know, the Buddha goes off and, and he eventually sits beneath the Bodhi tree and he, he realizes these things about life and he decides he's going to give this sermon um, at the deer park. And one of the first things he says is like, look, guys, there's suffering. There's bad stuff in the world. It's his diagnosis about life. You know, his way of saying, like, let's be honest here. Sometimes life can be really tough. It's not just about, hey, here's a spiritual path where everything's always going to be good. It's the fact that, you know what, things are, are going to trip us up. Right? And and that's why when he's talking in the, the Lokavapati Sutra, you know, he says that... that most of us, when we're blown back and forth by these winds, you know, of gain and loss and pleasure and pain, we don't, you know, we, we suffer as a result of that because we only want the good things and we cling to those good things and we don't want to lose them. And then if we do lose things and we really suffer because so much of our identity and our worth was wrapped up in those. Um, and that's why in, in that sutra, the Worldly Concern Sutra, the Buddha says like, look, hey, most of us we're blown about by these winds. That's why he used that that notion of a wind, right? It buffets us. It blows us this way and that. We welcome gain. We resist loss. 
And all that welcoming and resisting causes a lot of struggle in our lives. But if we realize that gain and loss are transient pleasure, pain, and all the other uh, worldly wins, that they're impermanent, then we can be swept away by them less often and actually use them as a, a, a way to learn about ourselves and about life in general. And I, I want to mention briefly, too, there is a, a difference between pain and suffering, right? A lot of times we use those words together. We say, well, there was a lot of, you know, pain and suffering, or sometimes we use those words interchangeably. Uh, but they are different, especially in the context of our practice. Um, and, and one way that they're very different is that pain is oftentimes an inevitability in life, right? We get sick. We feel uncomfortable. We stub our toe. We lose someone or something really important in our life. But suffering is not inevitable. Suffering tends to be the story we tell ourselves about our pain. Um, and when we're oriented around our ego self, which it lives in this world of, you know, uh, this this thing I have is permanent and it needs to stay here and this thing that I don't want this this you know illness or whatever is never gonna happen to me right speaks a lot in absolutes that's where suffering comes from because then we when we do experience some kind of pain it shatters the world that we've kind of built for ourselves we're like well it wasn't supposed to be like that and then we really suffer there and we say we, we tell ourselves all these stories around why it shouldn't have happened and and the way it should be and all of these shoulds and things like that but here's the thing the the our reactions to pain and loss um, and even to gain quite frankly uh, can tell us a lot about ourselves and they can be great opportunities for us to ask good questions about ourselves and understand ourselves a little better um, in our practice we talk a lot about uh, or we talk about how feelings can be mindfulness spells. Um, <clears throat> where when we have a feeling about a thing, a thought arises and then a feeling pops up, oftentimes that's an opportunity for us to, to stop and think like, oh, what is, what is making that feeling come to be? What thought gave rise to that feeling? And as we practice, we have the opportunity for those feelings to serve as bells to say, hey, you're having that feeling, pay attention here. Or, <coughs> pardon me, you're having that feeling, let's ask ourselves what might be causing that, right? Why did I have that reaction? Maybe I can unpack that a little bit, uh, run myself through the, the four questions uh, in our practice to kind of, like I said, learn a bit more about that, that feeling that's arising. Um, and this can be a good practice uh, of you know paying attention to our feelings in response to gain you know or when we when there's something maybe that we really want and we're like man if only I had this thing then I would be really happy we're really getting blown by that wind of, of gain right that worldly wind of gain but to ask ourselves like okay well why do I think that um, what about that thing would enhance my being uh, when did we first realize that we wanted that thing, right? And just analyze it, ask ourselves, where did that come from? And the same thing in response to loss. If, if we're afraid to lose something, 
um, or if we've lost something and we're having a very very strong reaction you know why is that thing important to me why is that person important to me um, what if I did lose that thing what then you know and kind of play that out in our minds um, and sort of understand why that that fear that anxiety is arising around that um, notion of loss right uh, and, and try to to realize what thought brought that feeling into being and listen to the resonance of that mindfulness bell um, I know for me a personal experience of mine uh, of loss uh, years ago I think about 10 11 years ago uh, I lost my job uh, the company I was working for closed and I felt bad about it right I mean obviously there's the the notion of well I, I need to be able to pay my bills. I need to be able to feed myself. But as I thought about that loss and that big change that had happened in my life, uh, I realized that there was also this, this feeling of worthlessness in there too. That it wasn't just anxiety around, you know, being able to support myself, but there was this, this sensation of, well, wow, you don't have a job. That means you're kind of worthless. Um, and I had to stop and think about that be like well why do I feel that you know is it because there's a sense of I'm not contributing you know to society is it that you know all my friends had jobs my my dad had worked at the same company for you know almost 50 years and that well that he had that stability and am I not good enough to have that stability right all of these things got swirled up and stirred up by that by that wind of loss because I was really resisting it um, but then I realized, and it was a voice coming out of my true self saying, well, wait a minute, you're not worthless. You have friends and family who love you, you know, and there's plenty of things about you that have nothing to do with your, you having a job right now. You'll get another job. Things will be okay, right? But I got, <coughs> pardon me, I got caught up in a story where losing my job meant that I mattered less. But I realized that that just wasn't true on a fundamental level, right? No, obviously, in a, in a conventional sense, yes, I wanted to get another job so that I could support myself. But it wasn't being driven by this sense of worth, right? Um, and I wasn't suffering as a result of that loss. And the wind of loss, therefore, wasn't affecting me quite as much. So with these winds that can affect us right either the the negative ones uh the negative one of loss where we're afraid of losing something or we've lost something and we're having a reaction to that or of gain where we feel we need that thing to to be worth something or we'd be happy if we only had that thing or now we have that thing and we're really nervous about something happening to it right it's going to get broken or stolen or it's going to wear out or whatever um we need something more stable than just this conventional notion of chase after gain and avoid loss, right? And that stable thing is our Buddha nature. That part of us, our, our true self, that part of us that isn't affected by what we have and don't have. That isn't affected by what we gain or we lose, right? Because our true self recognizes that no 
no no addition or subtraction um, can impact us intrinsically, right? Uh, on a scale of one to ten, my true self is always a ten. And there's nothing that I can get, not a better job, a nicer car, a new relationship, that's going to take that higher than that. And likewise, or or is going to, like, maybe I'm actually at a 9.5, but if I had that thing, then I'd be at a 10, then it would be all okay. No. You're at a 10 already. And there's nothing that I can lose. You know, no relationship that can fall apart. No job that I can lose. No financial hit that I can take that is going to make me anything other than a 10 in that uh, that sense of the true self through the lens and the orientation of my Buddha nature and you know one of the things that we we can do in this sense of stability and, and building um, a, a sense of equanimity to kind of keep us from being blown this way and that um, well, it's it's to to develop a sense of equanimity, right? There's a there's a great story that outlines uh, a sense of equanimity that you you may have heard before. It's one of my favorite stories. It's always stuck in my head. Um, and but it's of a of a farmer who uh, uh, he has a, a horse. Uh, he and his son live on a farm, uh, and they have a horse. And one day the the horse runs away, loss, right? And all his neighbors come over and say, Oh, man, I'm really sorry about your horse running away. That that really stinks, right? Um, and the guy's like, well, maybe. You know, we'll see. And then a few days later, the horse comes back, and, and the horse has with it another horse. Hey, now I have two horses. This is great. All the neighbors come over again. They're like, how nice for you, right? This gain of a second horse, right? And the farmer's like, we'll see, <laughs> you know. And then so his son is like, well, we need to have this second horse trained. So he goes out to, uh, to train the new horse, and he's working with it. And he gets thrown off the horse's back, and he breaks his leg. And now he can't help with the farm work. He can't train the other horse. The neighbors come over, and they're commiserating the, the loss of the son's health. It's like, oh, man, that's too bad. You know, and the farmer's like, you know, we'll see. Maybe. And then, you know, this story taking place in a particularly uh, uh, violent period of, of history, there are, are warlords who are going around and recruiting people into the army. And this local warlord comes by to, to take young men into his army to go and fight. And he sees the, the farmer's son there, and he has a broken leg, and he's like, well, I can't take this guy with me. So he rides on, and all the neighbors come over, and they say, oh, thank goodness. You, you didn't have to lose your son to that senseless war. And the farmer's like, maybe. <laughs> we'll see. And the thing here is not that, you know, we, we shouldn't interpret this that the farmer didn't love his son. He didn't, you know, care for his horse um, or, or, you know, wasn't happy when he got another horse or anything like that. It's just that the farmer was approaching these gains and losses for, with a sense of equanimity, you know, recognizing that everything is impermanent. Everything is transient. You know, he himself, the farmer, his horses, the number of horses, his son, his son's health. 
And so when these things happen, he's not, you know, giving himself over to the voices, whether they're in his own head or of his neighbors coming over and saying like, oh, hey, you know, this is a really good thing. You should be really happy about this. Or, oh, this is a really bad thing. You should be really down in the dumps about this. And that's also not to say that we shouldn't celebrate when good things come into our lives and be grateful. My last Dharma talk, I talked a lot about gratitude, right? Absolutely, we should be grateful when good things come into our lives. Um, and there should even be a sense of gratitude when we lose things to recognize like, hey, it hurts me. That pain is there because that thing was important to me. But those losses and those gains, they don't define us. They don't make us worth any more or less. And we can live with that sense of equanimity in the in the, the face of that change, in the face of those wins. So equanimity is that quality of staying steady and not being blown back and forth. Uh, and that's only possible when we reorient ourselves from our ego self that is all concerned with, if only I had this, and so long as I keep this, then I'm okay. And then maybe I can be on a five or a six on that scale of one to ten. Changing our orientation to our true self, which knows we're already a ten. And there's nothing that can change that. And then also understanding that generally we're not in control of the things that happen to us. Right? What a relief, right? We are in control of how we react to those things. But we can't control everything that happens to us, right? Understanding that everything is transient. Everything is impermanent. Everything good that we have will one day go away. Same thing with everything bad that might be happening in our lives right now. It's also going to go away. It's temporary, right? And that none of those wins, none of the eight wins, the, the, the good ones or the bad ones, can affect our intrinsic value. So, I, I hope that these words uh, were helpful. Um, if this is something that maybe you're struggling with, you know, maybe you, you have gone through a loss and you're like, you know what, I, I feel the pain of that loss and I'm suffering a lot because of it. And you would like to talk to someone, I would encourage you to reach out to us. Um, at AskSenseiTony.com or at DragonflySanga.com um, and you can reach us. We offer uh, um, counseling and mindfulness services. Um, or maybe you're, you recognize, you're like, you know what? Things are really good in my life, but boy, I have a lot of anxiety because I'm afraid of, of losing it. Or I feel like my, my, my value and my sense of self-worth is all wrapped up in everything that I have and everything that I'm able to do. And that causes you a lot of anxiety. Um, I would encourage you to reach out to us. You know, we can, uh, we're, we're happy to talk to you about, you know, uh, uh, practices that might be helpful to you in that regard. So, thank you as always for your time. Uh, I hope you all have a great week, uh, whatever the winds may bring you. Um, and we'll talk to you again over the next few weeks about the other uh, worldly winds. <laughs>